Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Youth Soccer in America podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kuykendall, joined again by Benjamin Mortimer. Ben, how are you? Well, thank you, Sean. All right. Today, we're going to have an interesting uh, podcast. We're going to do rapid-fire questions coming back and forth uh, to each other, as if we were parents, uh, on questions that we would like to know about our child. So, Ben, I'm a parent. You and, are. Uh, Congratulations, and, 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 Sean. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> hypothetically. And I have a child that plays for you that is uh, 10 years old. Ben, can my child play other sports, and is that good? Well, first of all, Sean, I wanted to thank you for putting your child in our soccer program because I think it's the best environment for them to play in. <laughs> and second of, of all, course. yeah, your son can play other sports, absolutely. I mean, he's living in America. There's, there's heaps of sports to play. Do I think that he should enjoy those sports and play? Yes. Do I think soccer should be his number one? Hopefully, because what I'm trying to do is sow a seed in that 10-year-old son where soccer becomes his number one game. So all the other sports, he plays for fun with his friends and maybe outside of soccer, but hopefully with time, soccer will be his number one, so he won't even be bothering playing those sports. He'll just be playing soccer. So if if my son is playing uh, other sports, that is okay. And at what age would you say that soccer needs to become number one if that is something it is his favorite sport? Well, I don't think there's any age specifically that soccer has to become number one. You know, For me, soccer was number one when I was six years old. Right. And I didn't bother too much with other sports. You know, During the summer, I might have played uh, tennis while Wimbledon was on for, for two games. But I wouldn't go out of my way to try and play tennis all year round because football was my only sport that I cared about. So what I'm trying to do is recreate that, that kind of love for the game. Obviously, we have lots of different sports here in the US that kids are interested in playing. But for me, the soccer can be the most fun. Um, you can get the most success out of it. And also, it's a sport that everybody can play because eventually... American football, basketball, um, you know, swimming, things like that. You know, your your physicality can take it out of you. Yeah. Whereas you can be a little guy with all the skill in the world and continue to play soccer. True. And you can't really do that in a lot of other sports. All right. Sean, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, you're also a parent. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, I'm a concerned parent. Thank you very all much. Right. Uh, I wanted to know, how do I know that you're working on something appropriate for my child during soccer practice? That's a great question. Well, a couple of things that, uh, as a coach, I would point out is, is I would let everyone know, and everyone should be aware of their coach's uh, licensing and badges that they have. Um, that is not necessarily guaranteeing that a coach is a good coach, but it's showing that they have a base level of knowledge and experience. And to be in order to get those licenses from the United States Soccer uh, Coaching Federation, you're gonna you need to be able to have a certain uh, level of knowledge. So, number one, that would be an indicator that a coach has a base level and. It should be teaching some of the correct things. Yeah. Another thing that I would encourage you to do is show up to our trainings. Show up to the things that uh, and see and watch the things that, that we're doing and we're training uh, with your child, especially in comparison to uh, the preseason meetings and, and the outline, the training curriculum outline that we provided to the parents before. Well, my problem with that, Sean, is that you know I've got three other kids and they all play different sports. So on Mondays I'm slammed and I can't stay and watch. Totally the understandable. So is there anything else that you can you can give me that I can look at or you know that I can maybe check up on to make well, sure that we're you doing know, the same things? A lot of coaches and uh, something you can 
put a they put a blog online of their of their training sessions and they put together an outline of the things that they're doing. So if you're really interested in that, you can definitely reach out to your coach if they don't already have a blog or reach out to them and ask, you know, for hey, what did you guys work on today in training? Or this is another great thing because we would love for our, our players to do this. You know, ask your son, what did they do today? What did you work on today? What was the coaching point? That's great. Thank right. you, Sean. Hey, you're welcome. All right, here we go. I'm another I'm another parent. Amazing. My child is amazing. I don't know if you know this, Ben, but my child is amazing. And my my son is playing all these different positions. My son is nine years old, playing all these different positions. Uh, I want my kid to play forward more. My kid is a goal scorer. I don't know if you've seen this, but my kid is special. Why isn't he playing forward more? I agree. Absolutely, that your, your your son's special. Thank you. I think little Johnny. I think little Johnny is one of the most special kids we have. His name is Tim. You have to remember. I'm sorry, that. Tim. Sorry, mistake. Um, yeah, I think Tim's an important player for us, and I think at the age of nine, there isn't set position. So we want to teach every player how to defend, how to attack, and how to transition between the two. So by giving all the players the opportunity to play in all the positions. Over a period of time, they'll eventually gravitate towards something that's appropriate for them. So, again, we're looking at the development of players here, not the development of positions. So, we're going to try and create players that can play in a role, uh, a variety of roles. Because even if you play up front, as you well know, Sean, yeah. um, you have to be able to defend as well. So, we're looking at improving technique and letting everybody play in lots of different positions. So, as they grow older and they develop physically, and they start to understand tactically what the roles are involved in each position... They might gravitate more towards it. But ultimately, that's the player and the coach's decision and something that we'll come to together during practices and games throughout the season. Well, so you're not just being a jerk and making them play a defender? No, absolutely not. Because in practice on Tuesday, I thought he did a tremendous job playing at the back and I wanted to make sure that he replicated that in a real game situation. All right. And he did do that, I think you'd notice. Cause he, I'm not sure, but I think Tim got man of the match All right. and to assist. So, well played, Timmy. Thank you. All right, he's a good boy. Sean, I've got a question for you. Okay. What should my player eat for a snack before the afternoon practice? Well, that's uh, that's a great question because I think a lot of a lot of kids, well, I, you know, we I've seen in my teams with a player has come to training and they just look dead. They don't have the energy. They've had either a long day and and many times they say, "Hey, what's going on today?" And a boy will say. I just, I didn't eat and I'm not feeling, I, I just, I feel tired and I, and I asked them, did you eat anything? And no, they didn't. So it's very important to get something in to keep the, you know, to keep the energy going and give yourself some fuel. Um, school may end and training may be at five, but uh, it's important to either get some fruit, that always helps, banana, apple, um, orange, anything else like some crackers, a little bit of snack as well that can help. Uh, making sure that what you eat is not so heavy that it weighs you down and that your body starts using so much energy to digest that it's not going to be used for, for training. So something that uh, can be just a quick pick-me-up. Now, not just quick sugars like candy's not really that useful or that helpful, but something, um, you know, a little bit of bread, a little bit of a snack, a bagel. Yeah, that, that sounds good, Sean, but my, my kids don't really eat fruit or vegetables. They're pretty picky eaters. Um, what about just swinging by McDonald's on the, on the way to practice, going through the drive-thru? Because that's easy. I'm mean, right around the corner from the field. And it's easy, and I think that's a, that would be a response maybe somebody without a lot of time uh, could do. 
But you are what you eat, and the fact that you're putting in fuel, the, the food that you eat is the fuel for your, you know, for you throughout the day for your training session. And when you're putting in McDonald's, it's not of the highest quality. It's processed food. What and about Burger King? It doesn't quite give you the energy. Same thing with Burger King. So <laughs> avoid not fast food. It. Fast food is probably not the avenue that we're going. Okay. And uh, so try to help your kid out. Maybe it takes a little bit of planning of uh, going to the grocery store and buying a snack a little bit beforehand. So thank you, Sean. All right. Ben. Yes. So, essentially, I have a question for you. My son is 16 years old and is looking to play college soccer. You know, it's a, it's a big goal of his. He really wants to play, trains hard. Um, is it, can you get him a full scholarship to play in college? <laughs> no, I can't. Why can't you? You're his coach and you know the coaches in college and you're training him. All I can do is hopefully give your your son the information that he needs by communicating with him and obviously with you guys as a family of what you can do to maximise your chances to play in college. Now, obviously, there's different divisions for different standards. There's only a limited number of scholarships available. I think how, less, many, how many? I think less than 1% of kids that play in youth soccer have the opportunity to get How many scholarships a for a Division One team? I think it's 9.9, just under 10. Yeah, Jeez. So... You know, there's not many scholarships available, and a lot of that money doesn't go solely to one player. So, you might be able to get a partial scholarship. You might, if you're very lucky, like old coach Ben here, get a full scholarship. But not everybody has that opportunity. So, I think what you can do is obviously practice your technique and and try and play at the highest level you can with your club team and try and keep your performances up. Be passionate about the game, watch the game, learn the game, uh, and play as much as you can outside of it. And also, you know. Some people forget this, but when you go to college, you're not going to college to play soccer. You're going to college to be a student. You're a student athlete, so student comes first. So I think it's very important that you get your grades up um, yeah. at school. You try and do as many classes as you can to prepare yourself for college and try and get that GPA as high as you can because, you know, they also do, I don't know if you're aware of this, Sean, they also do scholarships as well for academics No. as well as athletics. No. Unbelievable, isn't it? Didn't know that. Now I know. Thank you, Ben, for that. All right, Sean. I've got another question for you. Okay. Is it all right for me to shout instructions to the kids? Because I know sometimes they probably can't hear you because you don't shout very loud during the game, and I've got a really loud <laughs> oh, voice. Oh, so yes, of course you I do. Can, I can shout to my kid, and then also the refs aren't very good, so can I just shout at the ref as well and give him a bit of you know instruction and tell him what they're doing right and wrong? Well, if my voice isn't loud enough then, let it be loud enough now. No, you may not be yelling at the referee. That is completely off limits uh, as at any and all ages, but as specifically when we're younger, at the younger age groups. Um, we do not have the best referees at youth soccer. Um, yes, I am under the impression, even as a coach, that I think um, referees are pre-genetically disposed to hating me and hating my teams and my players, and I think they make bad calls all the time. But that's not going to change anything, and we're going to have to deal with that. So as a parent, you can only worsen the situation by getting on the referee. Uh, so, no, it's not okay to shout at the referee. Um, as, a, as it goes for talking to your player or your son or your child on the field, uh, I other than encouraging words of let's go or good, sh- good shot, good strike, good play, um, I, you know, I don't want it. We don't need it. We need one consistent voice coming from our, uh, from our coaching staff and from the sideline. what if you're not telling them to move up? Well, this enough? is fine. That's, and that is one thing that maybe you see. 
But we see it as coaches, and we like to make that coaching point a lot of times when they come off as a substitution to talk to uh, what Bobby is Bobby. Bobby's your son, right? Yeah, it's Bobby Lee. Bobby Bobby Lee. So Bobby Lee, hey, when he gets off, maybe it's not that effective to be shouting out him over the field. And there's a purpose and a plan, and and I want to talk to him. And usually when he comes over to the sideline, we describe the situation to him and make sure that he understands the tactical coaching point as opposed to just making him being reactive and sort of he gets up, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. So, no, we don't like you to be uh, shouting you know, instructions to your child other than encouraging words of, uh, you know, good job, let's go. Thank you, coach. So I won't shout at the referees or the players anymore. No. I'll just shout at you instead. Yeah, thank you. And let that, let's not do that either. Um, my kid, my kid. Ricardo, um, old Ricky Ricardo, he's, he's scared of concussions, and there is there is a bit to do with concussions going around lately in lots of different sports. Um, is it dangerous for my child, Ricky Ricardo, to be heading the ball? No, it is not dangerous for your son to be heading the ball. I've seen that there's been some studies done about heading a soccer ball and how there's no correlation between heading a ball and concussions. So what we can do to make sure that your young player doesn't get concussions is give them the opportunity to to learn the correct technique to head the ball to head it with their forehead not the top of their head or their nose or their face uh, and also not to be scared of the ball a lot of times concussions come from either falling on your head when they jump to head it and they end up getting their legs swept away and bumping their head or from a stray elbow or a clash of heads that's when the ball can come so Obviously, what we try and do... But if you're heading the ball over and over and over again, you have an hour of practice doing heading. Uh, is it... There's no way that you'd be doing an hour's worth of heading oh, okay. at practice. So you, guys, so you guys aren't doing that? It's not like you just... No, so we don't take the ball and work on taking it and just head it, head it, and head it like 60 times We work on receiving the ball with all parts of the body. So that okay. includes head, chest, um, even shoulder in certain situations, your thigh, obviously your feet as well. So... We will make sure that the the players get the opportunity to learn correct technique and get a few repetitions at that. All right. But by no means are we going to get them to nut a ball 60 times in a minute because that, for me, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help. Now, the style of play that we play, we try and get the ball on the ground anyway and play it with our feet. And that's why it's called football. That. So um, we, we try and get it down on the ground to minimise the amount of heading that will have to be done, but also give the boys the tools to be able to head the ball when that situation does occur in a game. Okay, thank you. No problem. Um, Sean, I had, a, I had a question for you about my player, Fabricio. Fabricio, oh, to me, Fabio. looks like a better player than, well, I'd say three quarters of the rest of the team. But for some reason, you're not starting him. And then when he does come on, he doesn't play for very long, you take him off. Is it that you don't understand that he's a good player? Or are you deliberately trying to keep my son out of the team for some other reason? Well, each situation and scenario is different for um, each child. Um, Fabrizio is a is a great kid who trains who trains pretty well. I think he has a uh, a great attitude and he and he does work hard. Um, I think that he has a lot of skills and techniques that he can needs to continue to improve on. Uh, and while he is a good player and contributes on our team, we don't find him currently um, one of the top five to six players and it's it's something that we're going to continue to work on and encourage him my problem with that is that i i do see him as one of the five or six okay. top players so the fact that you don't makes me think that you don't know what you're looking at as a coach right and i and i i respect your uh love and understanding of a parent 
for you and your opinion, but you know, uh, Ben, what what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a I'm a doctor. You're a doctor. I'm a brain surgeon. Brain surgeon. Yeah, that's a smart guy. Yeah, did, fairly. Did, did, I mean, did it take a lot of uh, book smart education and? Yeah, it took, learning me, it and took training. me a long time, medical school and, and whatnot, yeah. yeah, residencies and... And and while you have these qualifications and you've and you've gotten through this, it's you know what you're doing. And I'm sure um, you've gone through all these things and that's a, that's proves, it's a proof that you have this base level of knowledge. Now, if I came over into your office and, and asked you, uh, hey, you know, would you think about uh, getting into the brain this way? you know, surgically going in through the nostrils as opposed to straight in, you, you would probably laugh me off and say... Oh, no, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I'd be like, get out of here, you imposter. Yes, and Ben, when I, and I appreciate what you do and I respect everything that you do. Um, and I also just would, as you respect what I'm doing with my, uh, with my teams and coaching and the background that I've had in the game and the experience that I've had. And uh, so while you may see something differently, uh, my training and years of experience have... Uh, brought me to see uh, Fabricio as a different player than you would see him. So, um, you know, I respect that. Just ask you to respect my profession and my knowledge that I have as a coach. Thank you. We'll continue to work with him. Oh, thank you. All right. Ben, you know, I'm looking for the right clubs. I'm looking for the right, you know, things for my child. Uh, is it better to play on field turf, on the turf, or on a natural grass playing surface? Ooh, that's a good question, Sean. I'd say that it's probably better at the younger age groups, and even at the older age groups, actually, to play on field turf. And this is why. A lot of the time is when it rains, and it rains a lot. The field turf um, will remain open, but the grass fields will be closed. So to maximise the amount of practice that children get, I think it's important to try and, if we can play on field turf. Now, lots more schools and local governments are trying to turf fields, so there's more availability to play every day of the year. So regardless of whether or not it's raining, you can still practice because guess what? Sometimes kids have to play in the rain. Now, if they never get to play on turf, they probably won't get to play in the rain because a lot of the fields get closed yeah. if it rains to try and protect them. But field turf, obviously, is, is always available and and always open. But even when it's raining, and even my question for you is this, is field turf safe? Yes, it is safe. Otherwise, I mean, we wouldn't higher, be letting kids But are there not higher injuries because it's... Well, I, I haven't seen... The old AstroTurf was yeah, like really harsh really, on the joints. Yeah, it's harsh I, on the I've joints. I've had actually three knee surgeries, and it's from... You know, it's Did you play turf. on turf a lot? Did you yeah. play on grass growing up? I played on a lot of grass. Well, there you go. So maybe grass is more dangerous. I think there's been a few studies done, but I don't think there's any definitive answer on whether or not field turf is is worse for you, for your knees and your body than it is playing on grass. Now, obviously, some of the grass fields that we play on with the kids are shockingly bad. Some of them don't really have grass, and it's more of a muddy strip with some with some dirt on it and some pebbles. So, you know, in terms of falling, can you get a nasty burn off some field turf? Absolutely. But falling on a grass field that's not great doesn't feel amazing either. So, for me, I, I, I like field turf because a lot of the times with field turf you have lights, so the fields are open longer and later at night, so you have more time to practice. And also, like I said, regardless of the weather, those fields remain open. All right. All right, Ben. Well, these are, you, we have a, you have another one, Ben. Oh, yeah. I've got loads more. Oh, there, Sean. Another yeah, one. Not we'll getting one off the more. hook. We'll He's not getting more. off the hook yet. We'll do one more. So nervous. So nervous. Such a I've got player. a couple of questions here left, Sean. But couple I'm going to give you one that's going to be close to your heart. 
how much should I spend on a pair of boots for my son? And do they need to have turfs, indoors, running shoes, a pair of uh, flats to change into after the game? Well, every, everything is all... I mean, in a perfect world, would you have all those things available? Yes, we would love to because the playing surface uh, for an artificial field, a field turf field, uh, sometimes can require a different kind of shoe than for a natural grass or for a little bit softer field or even for an indoor field or for going out and training and running. Yes, all those things should be required, but we also know that it's not realistic and it's expensive for a parent of an 11-year-old to be buying um, six pairs of shoes, and especially as their feet are rapidly growing and you know so that that is not necessarily realistic i think it is important to make sure that your your child at least has a pair of uh of moldeds that are usable on field turf what does molded mean because i'm not sure because i've been looking at buying the predators because my son i don't really know much about soccer but my son loves this guy called steven gerrard and he wears predators and when i looked online they were uh, nearly 200 dollars so which what what does molded mean, and should I get the molded predators? The molded shoe is, is a is a firm ground, meaning it can be used on field turf, it can be used on natural grass surfaces, it can be used uh, a little bit when it's uh, wet and raining, but it's not extremely long uh, studs. They're not replaceable. Um, I would say those are very expensive. Now, how old is your son? He's nine. He's nine. I think spending two hundred dollars on a pair of shoes would not be the wisest thing for a nine year old. Uh, especially as their feet are growing and they can, they probably won't take uh, the best care of them at, at, that they need to be taken care of. So well, I saw this pair that weren't, um, they, were, they were similar to the Predators, they look just the same, mm-hmm. but they're only 45 bucks. What's the difference between those and the, and the top of the range well, ones? Well, a little bit of the quality of how they're put together, the, the type of leather that they have, uh, but for a child and for development purposes and for youth, it is more than okay to uh, have a $45 shoe um, for a nine-year-old. So it's awesome to be able to get all those things, but I don't think it's necessary to spend $200 on a pair of shoes until they're in the really competitive 13, 14, 15, 16, and on. So, um, you Cheers, know. Sean. All right. Ben, thanks for being here. Hopefully we answered some of your questions. This is the Youth Soccer in America podcast.